Hello and welcome to our podcast, Pretty for an Aboriginal. I'm Nikia Louie. And I'm Miranda Tapsell. And we're here to talk about all the things this country has trouble talking about. Like relationships, sex, dating, being a total boss, weight and most difficult of all, race. I thought that was our last record. I thought it was too black and I thought it was career suicide. Okay, let's start. As always, I have by my side the amazing Miranda Tapsell. Hey, Nakia. Do you think our guest has ever been told they're pretty for an Aboriginal? Mm, Or maybe that they're pretty talented for an Aboriginal? Yeah, we could definitely call him talented. Yeah, we could probably call him a lot of things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Briggs, rapper, writer, actor and self-declared senator, welcome to the podcast. I'm I'm fucking pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Let's Let's get one thing straight. Pretty. <laughs> Has anyone ever complimented you in spite of your Aboriginality? Yeah. Yep. Heaps. How? Like my whole life growing up, you get told you're not like the other ones. Mm. I was like, which other ones? You mean my family? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, so like my whole my whole life. Um, and it, it's, an, it's an odd thing as well. It's like earlier on in my career, people would say, um, you know, he's like a – He's like a white ice cube or he's like a white biggie. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which was. Who would say that? Just fans and okay, people who, yeah. you know, watching, you know, rap stuff or whatever, whatever. But um, I don't know, like looking looking at it, it kind of, for me, it kind of equates it to that you got to be white to be good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not white. I'm at least like off something. <laughs> beige. <laughs> yeah, at least some kind of beige collection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm very, um, you know, drawn to saturation. But, yeah, I've always had that in my career and around my life. Yeah. And do you think that when people are saying like a white biggie or like a white ice cube that it's um, – do you think it's a lack of, it's like people trying to just place you within a world that they, they know and then using language and that, that has politics that they just don't know? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't think, like I 100% reckon that they thought it was a compliment. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. oh, you're like the white biggie. I'm, like, I'm not white. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, you know, the other thing is they mean Australian or Aussie or whatever, but, you know, it's very confusing for for some of those numbskulls. So, um, <laughs> you know, block and delete, move on. How do you deal with that when it's like your fans? Block and delete. You block and delete your fans? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Even yeah. if they don't like, because some of them have said, um, particularly with uh, your latest album, maybe original, that um, some of them said, oh, you know, I loved, your, I loved all your albums beforehand, but then, you know, I listened to this and now I can't. I love I love my voice of the fans. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I loved your last album. It was hot. That's, a, that's exactly how I think they sound. I, yeah, I picture the same thing. Like, oh yeah, Briggsy, yeah, you're like everything else you do is really awesome. <laughs> but then yeah. you reminded you reminded me that you're Aboriginal, and I don't know how to deal with it. So well, I don't want to buy the. Why would you bring that up? Why would you bring it up? <laughs> that was, yeah, they were. Um, so you're it, not worried that they don't. Buy really, the album or don't? No, don't buy it. I don't care. Yeah. I was that was my whole approach. That's my whole approach around everything. Well, I I do what I want all the time. 
I do what I want. Um, I know it sounds really like <laughs> like bratty, yeah. but like it's just lucky. I, the things I like to do are dope. <laughs> and what I like to do is uh, betterment for the community. So, yeah, like I, I, I do what I feel like. I do what I feel is right. So, you know, if the whole point of that last album was if I was going – because, like, I 100% no word of a lie. I've said it in interviews before. I thought that was our last record. Really? Yeah, I thought that was it. That was going to be it. That was going to be because it was. I thought it was too black, and we're only going to reach X amount of people. Yeah. And it was an album that was for kids like us, and I thought it was career suicide. I was like, "All right, we're done." And then they gave us a plethora of awards. <laughs> a plethora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to use that in a sentence. Um, um, and yeah, that was that was really surprising um, because. I, like, I can't speak 100% for trials, but I thought, like, this was the last thing I was going to be doing. And so by too black, do you mean, like, too political? Yeah, and also too black, like, just too Aboriginal. Like, it's, well, are you, like, giving out Devon with, like, the, like yeah, the, yeah, the samples? Yeah, like, like, first 10 <laughs> records get a little piece of Devon with a flag in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, what do you mean by what, too what, black? What do we do with this? Yeah. Now, um, well... Are you saying it's too niche? Yeah, well, not even like I'm talking about the um, the adverse reaction white Australia has with anything that's Aboriginal that yeah. isn't reminiscent and mournful. Because we come out and we're like, "Suck our balls, we're black." <laughs> yeah. we, we literally had one of our songs called "Black Balls." <laughs> like that, that was that, that was you one of our first it. joints. One hundred. That was that's on the Golden Era mixtape. It's called Black Balls. How's oh it going? Oh God. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head because it was a mixtape joint. We just yeah. did it really quick. But it was about um, people who said that they were going to um, blackball me in the industry, yeah. and um, and I said, "How are you going to blackball the black balls?" And, <laughs> oh <my laughs> and we made a song, and then we put it. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Inception. Yeah. And so if if like if you had that much fear going into it, like what was your motivation for then just going, fuck it, I'll do it? Because no one had done it. No yeah. one had done this album that said, yeah, we're black, fuck you. You can come and waste your play. It don't mean a thing to me. No, it just don't mean a thing. Fuck them, homie. They said, hey, Briggs, pick a date. Okay. You know what? We can celebrate. For sure. But we can come together, yeah. talk about the weather, call that Australia Day. I said, how about March 8? That's a good one. And we can do it on your nan's grave. The palatable approach is for, especially as, as rappers and artists, is to be like, yeah, the struggle, and we're going to make it. And yeah, for my people, not fuck you. Finn, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Like yeah. that, the the palatable approach is the one that is still kind of um, subservient. The fact that we are going to make it, and we are going to, you know, not that, you know, rather than celebrating, you know, in a very audacious way, as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, so often like within Australia, it's like Aboriginality, like it's, as you said, it has to be discussed in retrospect. Mm. Um, it has to be about being strong or empowering or surviving, but less so about Aboriginality, you can't actually acknowledge whiteness. Like mm. if you acknowledge yeah. whiteness, if you say anything about white supremacy or the way this country is like founded in that, you are the racist. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the kind of climate we're living in. Yeah. <laughs> like people would say, how dare you, the Hilltop Hoods gave you a platform and this is how you repay us. <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy. Do you find it like infuriating or, you know, kind of ironic that, you know, like hip hop, uh, and we'll go into the history of that in a bit because I'm yeah. not like the coolest chick around. Um, no, I, I won't accept that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can you stop it? You are very cool. Yeah. Well, no one at this table. You know can you just own <laughs> it? Can you just own it? But um, I won't accept that. I won't. Accept <laughs> I won't, we won't move on. It comes from such a political place, you know, and like so many it of does. the great rappers that have really kind of penetrated globally have had like something, you know, kind of like they've had a big fuck you to say. Whereas within Australian hip hop, it kind of seems like that's a rarity, especially yeah. if. You know, you go the only guys to kind of have done that since then. Do you, how do you kind of negotiate like um, your voice within, like, I guess, kind of a music landscape that is apolitical a lot of, a lot of the time? I don't negotiate. Oh, yeah. Mm. First and foremost, I, you know, I am the senator. <laughs> you oh, my will, God. I don't negotiate. We won't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> Is that should, should we call you Senator Briggs? Sure. Okay. No, cool. Don't don't amp him no, up. I know. I always like already, he's already thing. I laid out for him. It's like I'm too. Like, I make it easy. Rand's like no, no, no. Stop it! You're doing it to yourself. Rand's like no, no, no. Get bigger. He's gonna do it. Don't let him do it. No, my my approach was to not negotiate. Um, I was just going to deliver what I delivered, how I delivered it. Um, and I was, you know, I was a young dude coming through, you know, the, the rap world out here and I was just playing it as best as I could. Like no one, you know, there's no formula. There's no, there's no guide that says you have to be, you know, like this and act like that. And I was like, man, you know, I, I watched a lot of other people trying to copy everyone else and I was like well, that's dumb because they're already doing it better than you why do you want to be the next hilltop hoods when there's already the hilltop hoods you know what I mean why would you mm. why would anyone buy your wax cd when they can go get the actual product you know so my point of difference was on me and that's what I was going to bring to the table mm. um see rap music out here started you know when it started out, it was it was much more diverse, and then, like in the mid mid two thousands, it got really really white really quickly. Why? Um, market, um, you know, yeah, commercialism. Is that because of Eminem? No, you couldn't. You know, it's a it, it, it's a lot of different things. Like, you know, it it's what sells and what what resonates with promoters to, to put on bills. And the thing is, is when they're trying to, you know, find a, another artist like, say, the Hilltop Hoods, they're not going to go look for black kids. They're going to try and find another Hilltop Hoods. Yeah. And, but, and then the other reason is, you know, every industry out here is white. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. 
every industry out here is white. That's just the reality. But, um, you know, the thing is with, with, with my friends from the Hilltop Hoods to, you know, the underground dudes, they're all really aware about, you know, what this scene looked like for, for a while. You know, they're really aware of, of how it was perceived and they understand and understood like there was bound to be a shift, there was bound to be a change because, you know, it's like anything, there's an expiry date on it all and it's going to, it has to move otherwise it dies. Yeah. Well, I know when I was like, because I um, went to law school, so I was like a scholarship student at this like college overseas and I went to mm. law school and then when I was even like at uni, people were always like, um, it's so great that you're, you've made it this far. And what I kind of realised is that everything, like this whole idea of success that I was trying to achieve was just based on these like ideals of being white. So when I kind of realised that it was awesome just to go, there's actually, yeah. like there's no path to kind of walk down. Yeah. And I had a, I had a similar thing like when I was um, cast in the Sapphires, someone sort of said, oh, I like it when it's so great when good things happen to good people. And Good things happen to black people, you mean. And and I was like, um, I didn't get cast in this because, like, I was a nice person. Like, Because you're not. <laughs> nah, you're not. <laughs> I'm really not. Don't be fooled. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I'm really little but I'm very scary. <laughs> that's why we call it tap out. you got to tap out. Yeah, you've got to tap out. <laughs> I promise you. But it is. It's like yeah. successes, you know. They thought, oh, she's kind and friendly enough, like she deserves that opportunity. And it's like, no, I I didn't just get this handed to me on a silver platter. Like I worked for it, yeah. you know. So you, you're pretty like prolific on Twitter. Yeah. Has that, do you think that's kind of like affected your career or has it like brought opportunities or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like especially Twitter. Twitter's my favourite one. My favourite medium. Was, Why? Um, because if you follow the right people, it's a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts. And it's just funny stuff, you know. That's where I get a lot of my news from. Um, and I've met so many cool people. I met Ice-T on Twitter. That's pretty cool. How did you meet Ice-T on Twitter? He liked my music and hit me up. Oh, that's pretty cool. Who else? Ice motherfucking T. <laughs> and I was like, that was like, you know, that's a childhood hero. There's a lot of talk at the moment about um, like who can who can do rap and who should who's who's allowed to do rap and how do you go about doing your thing at the same time as being influenced by you know um, Biggie and Tupac and Bone Thugs and Harmony you know well you know there's, there's artists like like Iggy Azalea you know what I mean and then. The audience and the industry decides that she doesn't have a career anymore. If you get caught up in about like who's making what, you know, you're probably not spending enough time on your own craft. But um, you work with like lots of amazing rappers overseas as well. Like you've um, worked with Ghostface Killer and what's his name, Bill? Um, yeah, Ill Bill. Ill Bill. It's it's almost like you know you're. 
even though you just want to work with, you're just working with the people that you want to work with at the same time, you're kind of involving yourself with the African-American community, mm. which is really awesome, you know. So and that's, that's what thing, makes you like, different. It's funny because like, like Ill Bill's Jewish. He, he's one of my favourite favorite rappers. I, I think like what, and I've talked to Farrah Monch about this, like when, when rap started, everyone was there. That's why there's the Beastie Boys. Mm. You know what I mean? Everyone was there, but everyone knew whose music it was. There, yeah. was. there was a level of respect, but because these people were all from the same hoods and the same kind of class, you know what I mean? Like that divide and, and because it hadn't been totally, you know, blown up and commercialized at that point, you know, everyone was on the same level. It's when you get to this point now where they are creating, you know, disposable artists like, you know. Yeah, they like that idea of performing blackness mm. yeah. and then commercialising off of well, it. There's look, still so much <laughs> oppression with Look at Miley Cyrus. She, she was done being black. Yeah, she's over it now. She, she's, she's done like, being black. Done now. She's done being black. She wants to be a nice girl again. Yeah, you know what I mean. One she, of the Hemsworths. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Sing she was some country she, music. But like that's it. She's like, she's like, oh well, I quit that now. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm done. I'm done doing that over there. I'm, I'm sick of being ridiculed and and yeah. like I don't want all that. I'm gonna go back and be Miley again. <laughs> um, we should talk about that later, but I just want to ask you. So we met, okay, during black comedy. You talked about, you know, like MC, like it's always been your craft, right? Mm. How did you learn your craft? Like when did you? When did um, you... By copying other rappers I liked, you know, by copying Ice Cube, by copying Snoop, Tupac, Biggie, copied them. And then, you know, you grow up and then you... um you develop your own style. Like if you, if you want to rap, you can't come out and do rap cover songs. You know what I mean? It's like you got to develop develop your own style and your own voice because that's what, you know, rap is about. So you start out like anyone. You start out you, and you just want to be like your favourite favorite rapper or your favourite singer, you know what I mean? And then you slowly start to, you know, you get the CD or the tape and it's got the instrument on it and you rap. And then suddenly, you know, yeah. you start rapping your own stuff. I never hesitate to burn a bridge. Sometimes I just remind them what a furnace is. And with the burners lit, it feels like the perfect gift. I can see the future, figure out what your purpose is. You're like a bird and want a certain tip. And the icebergs lurk and I pull the curtain on a virgin ship. You ducked out while the work was thick. So now I point out to these clowns where the circus is. I am what you pretend to be that might offend you. But I've been through my end you with no one to avenge you. Friends come and friends go that fucks with your mental. When tell us just benzos and endos in your friend zone. So don't never call me lucky. You don't know what I've done, what it was, who I lost or what it cost me. For next week it's kind of frosty. It's cause you were taking too much time trying to watch me. There's no degree hanging up in my house for anything. <laughs> 10,000 hours of Simpsons. Yeah, that's about <laughs> but, um, it. I've got a script. <laughs> How old were you when you, like, first started rapping or were, like, know. exposed to that? I was I was a baby when I first – I had, I had like, Snoop Dogg tapes when I should never have ever had Snoop Dogg tapes. That's for sure. Do you yeah. remember how you got them? My cousins. Yeah. <laughs> for real. I was like, you're listening to the start of this, this tape called Doggy Style. 
<laughs> oh no! And it's like Snoop in a in a bathtub with some woman. That, that's the intro to Doggy Style. <laughs> you learn real quick. <laughs> Did you know what was going on? Did you know the subtext? I was like, "What's he having a bath for? <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not bath time yet." <laughs> okay. Because like I would have been when that came out ninety three. I would have been six or seven, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. so when was your big break? Well, like, or was I don't I know s- if I've had one. I was like, everything I've, I feel like everything I've got to the point of where I'm at is just like eventuating from the last thing. Like, like there's been no instant hit for me that said, now you're this big. Or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like everything I've done, I feel like has just grown and snowballed into where I'm at now, which is good because when you grow organically like that, it means you have a good foundation of fans and good people who believe in what you're doing. And I'd rather do that. And because, you know, it's, it's the nature of things. The quicker you blow up, the quicker you can disappear. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And are you like, are you a music mogul yet? Like, when did you start making money? Um, I don't know. I've always tried to make money. Got to live. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've always had a, I've always been onto something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember when, I remember when I was a kid and I used to burn DVDs and sell them. You know, that was just one of my hustles. It was just, I was always up to something. Yeah. Um, that was just the nature. So I had like a little side hustle going on trying to yeah. make. From, you know, from my music, you know, having CDs on me to sell, you know, understanding, you know, you got to sell them for, sell them for a note price. So you don't have to mess around with change. It's like $5 or $10. So, so people don't trip like, oh, I don't really have that. And then like, you know, it's like five bucks, man. You buy this CD. You know, the same as a drink, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Buy this CD now. Hustle was real. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not you're not a you're not ashamed to say that you hustle, that you or is cause I, I love thought, the hustle, I still hustle. Yeah? Hustling right now. <laughs> I got merch. <laughs> <laughs> Ten bucks. I'm just making her like I'll post like this a... link. I'll post the link <laughs> of this podcast with a picture of a t shirt. <laughs> I feel like you'd be a very hard person to say no to. Like, what are you, like six foot? Yeah, I'm like six, six one. You'd be like, buy this CD. No, I'm a smiley. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't hustle people, you know, you, you can't scare people into buying shit. You got to, you smile them into it. So, funny story, uh, you were supporting Body Count, yeah. Ice Cube, earlier this year in Australia. So Ice it's, Tea. Like, Ice Tea. Yeah. Oh, so embarrassing. I don't know. Um, okay, how <laughs> did you get that gig? Um, knowing Ice-T through Twitter, um, he said to me, um, he said to me when he came out, he's like, I need to make sure Briggs was on the tour. <laughs> and I hit him up because um, I knew they were coming out and a friend of mine was a promoter and I I mentioned to Ice, you know, my friend is a great promoter, you know, it'll be a great tour. Again, you know what I mean? Like 
look behind the curtains. That's how everything gets done. Everyone knows each other, you know what I mean? And there was bidding and whatever, whatever. But Ice-T wanted me on that tour and that's how I got it. Nice. But a bing, but a boom. That was like three phenomenal shows with one of my heroes. It was killer. So why do you think that, like do you think that hustling or this idea of having to yeah. work for your opportunities is, do you think it's like a bit of a, like a taboo to talk about it within Australia or that it's kind of underappreciated? Um, I don't know because I never thought about it, honestly. I was yeah. just like onto the next thing. Like I remember when I was doing shows and I had to sell enough CDs at one show to make it to the next. Um, to you had to pay for, you know, gas money and a com and whatever, whatever. Like I was doing the shows basically for free and you got to sell CDs to earn the guap, you know what I mean, to get to the next spot. So that was, um, you know, that was just part of part of my game. I was never ashamed of my hustle. I I used to roll up to a show with 10 friends that have five or ten, five to 10 CDs each. And I'll say, you could drink all my drinks, whatever, and but you got to go move these CDs for me in this crowd. Yeah. And you're a thousand bucks, you know what I mean? Sold a CD, $10. $10. It's interesting because when you Google hustle and like hustling. Hustler comes up. What do you mean? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot like there's a lot of stuff aimed at men. You know, there's like a, a blog that's a very delightful little blog if you what it's called, but it's about like hustling for gentlemen and that you shouldn't be afraid of hustling. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you Google like female hustlers Here hustling, Here we go. all you get is like Jennifer Lawrence. Do you think so like just looking at that where you know, when it comes down to working and asking for opportunities, there has been I feel been, like sorry, yeah. for like the female thing. Like, to like, I was just thinking about it, and it for you guys, it feels like it's a negative thing because yeah. the female hustle, I feel like, from from looking at it from movies to to pop culture, or whatever, whatever, it's like the female hustle has to involve manipulation of men. You know what I mean? It's just like your your hustle is like underhanded. Yeah, that's whack. Yeah, you and should be able to give money as much as anybody else. You know, you should sell some CDs while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Just me doing like but, my, but, my raps about minerals from like you okay, five. Okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever's on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like do you yeah. feel like that's a that's a thing? I see how I just flipped this interview. Yeah, yeah flipped it. Oh, look, but, <laughs> like, do you flip it. No, but do you feel like that's a thing? Like do you feel like if it's like if it's the female hustle, it's got to be almost, you know, underhanded or – you know, it's about manipulation or, you know, it's like a, it, it's a negative. I feel like from my experience being in the mainstream, I, I sort of have to like not compromise but just I can't, I can't play the game that you're playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's why like it's really, it's really, you know, great to see. I mean Nakia's got a different take on this um like um but I just feel like uh it's really hard to it's really hard to just ask for things straight out mm. because it immediate you know if I start saying this is what I need to get the job done I get called a diva or you know I have to I feel like in the in in this kind of predominantly uh 
white and male industry, you, you kind of do have to be nice. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's, I remember, I remember getting told, oh, you're one of the most agreeable actors I've ever worked with. And I'm kind of glad that like, I'm a pleasant person to be around, but at the same time, I'm like, oh man, like, that's my, do you feel like that's that, my lot do you feel in life. like they were um, saying you're a pushover? I think, well, that's, now that's I sort do. of, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That now face I, says, now I, I'm going to punch him in the back of the head. <laughs> but is it also because like you, t- we t- when we were talking about your Twitter and, you know, the way that you, you know, you pull up, you like block and delete with your fans and whatever, and you go in on your, like on people on Twitter in a way, it's, it's amazing because it's so witty, right? But part of being you and doing you is just that you don't give a fuck, right? Do mm. you, is it part of that where it's like sometimes people say stuff to you? And you can't, you you don't you can't respond because yeah. it will negatively well, affect your career. For my own career. safety, particularly yeah. on the net, like if I became antagonistic in any way, and sometimes like I really feel like that. You know what I mean? Where you yeah. just go, oh, did did you really have to say that, man? But I but I have to like I have to just mute for my own sort of mental health as well. <laughs> well. The thing as well is like there's nothing more threatening to a male, especially a white male, than a black female. Nothing mm. more threatening. Especially you guys, you're smart. So, Thank you, you know, that's like. Why the, do you think it's a threat? Because you're like, you know, historically you're on the bottom rung. Mm. You're not meant to talk up. You know what I mean? Like that's. And that, that stuff carries, that carries on, you know what I mean? It's, it's BS. But that's what I feel like because I remember when I was calling people out, whatever, whatever, you know, because I do it all the time. Yeah. You, you know, they, they wouldn't go so hard on me as they did um, Thelma Plum or Liz Cambridge or something, you know what yeah. I mean? Because that's a real threat to their masculinity. Well, it's, mm. You know, it, they, it, they can take it and beaten up by me, but getting beaten up by, by a girl, they, they won't have that, can't have that. Well, it's because not in blokes, will. <laughs> well, it's that I do also that like the further you are away from white, the more trouble you are, right? Mm. And whiteness is something that is like radicalized by gender, and it's radicalized by sex and class and all of those things. Mm. So if you're not a white man, if you're not a rich white man, like you're like a black woman, and you start like what's like you critic, like you start having a little bit of power, yeah, that's somehow taking up that space, and it's a huge threat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting dynamic. But, you well, know, I, I wouldn't, the thing is as well is like what I do is I wouldn't recommend what I do for everybody because. Kids don't try this at home. No, for real. Because I wear a lot, but I can because that's just who I am. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't recommend the way I handle things for everyone because like if, if you're not up to it mentally, you know what I mean? It can mess you up. Mm. But, you know, so I wouldn't say tell tell whoever you want to go fuck themselves. That's what I do. You know what I mean? It's like, no, that's what I do. You let me tell whoever I want to go fuck themselves. You do what you do <laughs> to keep yourself safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because not everyone can do the things that are – like I'm not scared of, you know, Mark Latham. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not scared of – you know, like that's just how I live and that's how I grew up. Um, but that's not for everybody. 
I had a like on my, my a review for like my first ever play, this tiny little play, this theatre in Sydney, and there was a re- review in Quadrant, which is like a right wing kind of journal in Australia, and um, they wrote this review that, that I don't think the guy who wrote it even saw um, the play, but what they did is they went in on my parents. And they went through my parents' financial records mm-hmm. and they, you know, brought my sister into it and they said all this defamatory stuff. And basically um, they, they, their implication was that she is too privileged to be able to talk about Aboriginal politics, mm. um, you know, and I've never seen that happen to anyone else who was like a writer working within that industry. Um, I've never seen it happen to like a black guy. I've never, yeah, it was just, it was like frightening how quick they were to to jump on it. Like, have you always had a thick skin? Um, I think it's, uh, I learnt, I, I grew a thick skin. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I think the thing is as well, you know, I kind of equate it to boxing. It's like you can train all, all your life, but punches are still going to hurt. It's just how you train. It's like you train to to win the fight, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, they sh- they fire shots at me, but these are shots I've heard before. So, you know, next. But, you know, I I grew up in a big family. I was the youngest and chubbiest kid, you know what I mean? So I was wearing it and then, you know, from the start. So, like, I got real good. I'm real nice now. They don't mess with me anymore. You well, know. Black fellas yeah. are kind of notorious for tormenting each other. Yes. It's our way of being like, I love you. But yeah. I'm just teasing the shit yeah. out of yeah, you I and love, making you cry. I love you to death. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell myself. You tease me because you love me. But like that's, you know, I think that's the thing is like I've always just, you know, I've been able to wear it. It's never been. There's, there's, I've, I've never come across anything on the internet or anyone saying anything in the comments or whatever that's made me go, oh, how? Oh, well, my stars. Well, I won't stand for this. Why did you go up an octave? Because that's how I, that's how, that's how shocked I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me being shocked. I go up mad octaves. Have there been but, any moments where it has really hurt? No. Never? No. Like... You, like that we're okay. I find that surprising because you said like it still hurts. Well, they like punches hurt. Yeah, but like there's there's been nothing that's made me go like there's nothing that's happened that's knocked me. That's made me go oh wow. Yeah. Um. There's there's a lot of reflection now that I'm I've got more of a um more of a platform, and I realised um. Like, because I took a step back, and it's and I, you know, because at the moment I'm like, I think, you know, you know who it does hurt? It hurts my family. They're like, yeah, they're like, oh, they're saying this about you, and they called you this. I'm like, so, next, you know what I mean? They're like, ah, this makes me so angry. Like, and my friends are like, ah, look what they're saying about you, and I'm just like, man, just dance on them, whatever. Next, like until they're up in my face in the street which they never, ever are, next, you know what I mean? Like I see so many dudes on their tough talking and whatever, whatever, I've had death threats and whatever, like, you know, it'll kill you. It's like, ah, oh, do it. But you know what I mean? Like I've never been 
I've never been worried. I've never been, you know, I, I guess because I grew up, you know, in a pretty hectic rural, you know, rural town. So you grew up in Shepparton. Yeah, in Shepparton, yeah. Victoria. So, you know, it's a pretty hectic little place for such a small place. There's a lot going on. Um, it's like big Aboriginal community. Yeah. yeah, massive. I think it's like the biggest outside of outside of Melbourne in Victoria and it's like it's up there with the biggest in in the country outside of Metropolitan or whatever, whatever. Yeah. There's just there's a lot of us there. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, but like going back to what I was talking about, it was like because I, I had a group of a group of boys that I'd go back and talk to, like for I, I did that for like ten weeks. I had like a a youth group of ten ten boys that go back and and talk to them and um, then I started thinking a bit more about my approach because um, I'm very impulsive. I'm a very impulsive kind of person. Um, but I had, to th- I had to think a bit harder because, yeah, the, the racism doesn't bother me but if another kid's seeing it, it might mess with him. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a bit more vigilant on you know, clearing out that mess off my YouTube and, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. So you do go for all those comments yourself? Yeah, I have to. Oh, shit, that's intense. Yeah, yeah, realize. but it's like, you know, some like at some sometimes like when something's popping off, it's a daily thing, but now it's weekly, you know, not, not much is happening. It's a yeah. weekly thing. <laughs> haven't put, yeah, haven't. You know, so I'll just go through it, yeah. to just delete the racism yeah. You know, because I want to, not that I want to, um, because I used to leave them up there because people didn't believe me. They're like, oh, no, that this is racism in Australia doesn't exist. It's like, oh, look, it's over there, right there on my page. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've, I've had a pretty good run of troll hunting, man. I've aired out a lot of dudes. They only push through if you let them. They only got to fail if you test them. They're going to get taught a very hard lesson if they want to ask these questions. So you talked about the hustle, you work really hard, you do a lot to support young people. Um, you're one that like you're always on a plane somewhere, right? Like yeah. whenever I'm talking to you, you're like in every other state, every other week. I'm platinum now. <laughs> yeah. How does like how does the hustle affect like your personal life? Has it affected your love life? Yeah, like I, I live by myself, and I work all the time, and that's what I do. I just live by myself and I work. Yeah, that's like I feel like I'll rest later on you know what I mean like I feel like I got too much on like I'm 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 not where I want to be yet to be able to coast and maybe I won't never be yeah. where I'm at you know what I mean I just watched the Dr. Dre Jimmy Iovine doco you know the other night and I was like man that's where I gotta be <laughs> that's where that's next no nah, but like you know like I've never like I'm, I'm a real solo I'm a real solo kind of person, so to find someone else who who can deal with that, you know, good luck. 
because... Well, you're constantly, like, while you're doing something, you have to think about the next step. Like, you have to think about the next thing. Yeah. You know, you've got to create the... Like... You know, because people will go, oh, when's your next album coming out? And you must be like, oh, man, I just finished one. Well, like, the other thing is, is, like, I'm already working on one. If one's out, it means I've already started the other one. Yeah. I've yes, always, okay. for every one thing you see, I've got ten on yeah. the go. Mm. It's like that with writing. It's like juggling balls, trying to see which one lands. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, because I'm, I'm doing writing and stuff now as well. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got probably too much on, but, you know, I can't afford to, I can't afford to be lazy. I've got, I've got to go in and, you know, if, if, if I've got to, if I'm chilling out, you know, it's normally for a day. I get a day and then it's back. Mm. So you're writing and you're acting. What What's the end game? Like what does success look like for you? Don't know. Don't know yet. And tell us about um, Bad Apples, your label. So yeah. what, was, what was the... Everything I do feeds into the next thing. Yeah. So everything complements everything else. And I was at a point in my career... Where I had enough, um, I had enough funds to be able to fund other dudes' careers and put them on and give them the tools, because I was like, yeah, it's cool. One of me, you know, that's not success yet, you know. So I signed three dudes, and I'm like, three dudes I already knew, who I was already working with, hanging out with, whatever. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna put your albums out, because three, another three. You know, black rap albums is three more that we didn't have. And that's way important. You know what I mean? I, I, success to me is subjective, if you know what I mean. Like su- success to me is changing is changing the landscape of what this is and means. It's, it's not success to me isn't about me having a house. It's about how many other people I can get houses for. You know what I mean? It's about everyone mm-hmm. else who who can who I can teach, you know, and learn from, you know, because I had to make so many mistakes to get to where I'm at. So I was like, if I can, you know, simplify this path a little bit, you know, it might make it easier and quicker for other dudes to get to to this level, you know, but never shy away from the fact that it's hard work. Do you think that's also because of your, like, that mentality comes from being Aboriginal? It comes from my hood, you know what I mean? I'm from a, I'm from a family of leaders, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? My whole family, my tribe. Oh, Yorta you know, Yorta there. Yeah, from my mission, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, from Kamara to now, you know what I mean? It's like I said it long, long ago. I was like, it's just this is what I'm meant to do. So this is in my blood. I'm meant to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a backup plan? No, I never have. No net, just go. Just go? Like Backup this- plan for me is like drive a forklift, you know what I mean? I can live. I can do labor work, you know what I mean? It'll do my head in, but I can I can do whatever I want. You know, it's like this stuff is what is what I want to do. If I ever felt like stopping, I would. But, you know, there's no backup plan. This is the backup plan. You know, I you know, that's like a to me a backup plan feels like that's a, you know, that's a luxury. For, yeah, for you yeah. know, to be like you know, some some dudes are like, oh, I went to school and and got a PhD and whatever, whatever, just in case this rap thing doesn't pay out. It's like, yeah, well, I went to TAFE and then I quit and <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't have backup plans. Do you have one? Taps? Oh, a backup plan? Yeah. Um, no, I don't. Um, my Servo cr- Darwin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Pumping gas. <laughs> Mine's cleaning. Yours cleaning. Yeah. But you're a lawyer as well. Yeah, yeah you've oh, got I, a backup I'm not plan. a lawyer. I have a law degree. Mm. So, I, like, yeah, no, I was a cleaner, like, for a uni and shit. So I was like, I like it. I'd get to, like, talk to myself and I can't no, clean. No, you're just nosy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do I have no <laughs> yeah, cleaner, Gossip. you know, I get to talk to people. I get to go look through their bins. <laughs> Shut up. Look, look through their house. Okay. Well, we're going to ask you a final question, a yes. question that we ask everyone. everyone. Yep. Yep. Who's everyone? Everyone. Yeah. Mark Latham. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, don't. Go back. Redo. Redo. <laughs> no, uh, every person we've spoken to. We've, we've spoken so far. We've spoken to Roxanne Gay oh, and yeah. Marina Go. I don't know her. Uh, she's the chair of um, West Tigers. Okay, dope. Um, and so we asked them both, um, when did you, at what age did you realise that your race mattered? Um... There's different levels to that, mm. to like because I knew I I grew up in a proud black household, yeah. so that was always um, a cornerstone of everything, you know, with all me, my whole family, all my cousins. But there's different levels of when you um, get through life and figure out, you know, different things uh, unobtainable or they're harder to get. Or there, um, or there's different pathways for you to achieve certain things, um, you know. So I feel like you learn how much your race matters. Almost, you know, in every you know every new facet of your life, every new generational step. I'm sure, you know, if I make it to fifty, you know, there's going to be things that I didn't realize. You know what I mean? That I wasn't ready for. Yeah. You know, at at that age, that have to do with you know my ancestry or whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think there's different levels to you know your race, especially with our culture and our identity, which is steeped you know so much in our communities and our connection with our family and our extended family. You know, which is you know, heaps different from, you know, a lot of other, you know, races. It's like our, you know, I've got cousins with red hair who look super white. Mm, yeah. But that's my cousin and he's as black as me. And I've got another cousin who's as black as Wesley Snipes. And, you know, you put us three in the room, you might not even know we're related, but we're all family, we're all the same. So, you know, I think, you know, for my white cousin, my lighter skin cousin, he's going to find out different things at at different times as what I'm going to find out and what my, you know, chalkboard cousin's going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> my mum calls them like crayons. She's like different group of black fellas in a room, crayolas, <laughs> and it's so bad. Janet. <laughs> Janet from the block. Um Okay, well, thank you for talking to us. That's all right. And for your insights. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Briggs. Later. 
thus concludes another episode of Pretty Foreign Aboriginal. You're such a nerd. Uh, leave us a review. We read all of them. All uh, of them. <laughs> tell all your friends about us or um, just, you know, random people that you encounter. Uh, <laughs> you'll seem very impressive. Or follow us on Twitter. Um, but only if you're nice. Yeah, be really nice to us because we're really nice. Um, and also uh, hit us up on iTunes or any of them good podcast apps. <laughs> and join us next week for another episode of Pretty for, for an, an Aboriginal. Aboriginal. Oh, my God, I can't believe we did that. We Together, nailed that. That was awesome. We nailed Best it. Best friends. Besties. Bye, guys. Bye. Pretty for an Aboriginal is hosted and developed by Nikia Louie and Miranda Tapsell, produced and edited by Nicola Harvey and Cinnamon Nippard from Audiocraft. A big thanks to our supporter, Rode Microphones, and BuzzFeed's director of audio, Eleanor Keegan, and the entire BuzzFeed podcast team. This is a BuzzFeed Australia production. Mm-hmm.